seat. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mountain View. Uh, if nobody said that yet, uh, my name is Micah. I've been here for, this is now my fourth year with college ministry. And Ryland, can we go back like a bunch of slides probably? <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, you can see that weird picture of Andrew again. <laughs> so we are finishing up uh, our final talk on spiritual warfare. Let me know where I'm going with this. All right, here's where we've been, all right? Ignore that. Uh, Week one, we talked about the war and the battle that we're in. Satan, the dragon of Revelation 12, and the war that he's waging against the church, against the people that love Jesus and seek to follow him. You guys remember that? And we looked at two prominent forces, that he who is in you, the Holy Spirit, God, is greater than he who is in the world, and that the whole world lies in the clutches of the evil one, and that we hold both of those things as true, but that Jesus has utterly conquered the enemy. The minute he rose from the grave, all evil, all death, Satan entirely defeated. But yet, we're still at war, and yet Satan still has some sort of grasp on our lives, some sort of influence, and that was week two. The opportunities and the footholds and the grips that Satan has in our life when we have unresolved or unrepentant sin in our life. And then last week, uh, Adam just did a great job in Ephesians 6 talking about the whole armor of God. Like our defense is holistic obedience and desire to follow Christ. So to follow truth and to put on uh, the breastplate of righteousness and to carry the shield of faith. And tonight's about the offense, the offensive weapons that we have that God has given us. So this is where we're starting, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. I'm just going to read this really quickly, but we're really going to be in Daniel 10 tonight. So you can flip there if you want. But let me just finish up the passage that Adam started. And Paul's saying this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And supplication just means like fervent, humble, lowly prayer, begging God humbly for something. So praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and humility. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here's the question we're asking tonight. Here's what we're answering. What does prayer do and why should I pray? Why should I pray at all times in the Spirit? Why should I pray with all perseverance and supplication? Why should I pray for Paul and other preachers to open their mouths boldly for the gospel? How do our prayers influence spiritual warfare? And how do these two things go together? How do we put on the whole armor of God and pray fervently for God to work? I think the best way to see this is with an illustration from Scripture, with a person in the Old Testament, Daniel. So if you haven't flipped there yet, we're going to be in Daniel 10. So let me, uh, let me explain to you who this guy Daniel is, all right? I bet 99% of you sitting here right now would love to be Daniel one day. This guy is the man. Here's what happened. When he was like somewhere between 10 and 18 years old, he gets pulled out into Babylon. Babylon had like conquered everybody at the time, Assyria and Israel and Judah. And when they conquered Judah, they took all the young people and they pulled them into Babylon, into the capital. 
And the king, Nebuchadnezzar at the time, said, hey, find like the good-looking, intelligent, teachable young people, and we're going to make them leaders in Babylon, all right? So he like, basically said, like, come and find Mountain View College Ministry, and let's make them Babylonian leaders, all right? So that's who Daniel was. He was identified and trained as this up-and-coming leader, and he crushes at it. He is massively successful for 70 years as either the number two or the number three guy under four different kings. So he outlasts four different regimes in Babylon, and each time a new king capes over, they're like, uh, yeah, we need to keep Daniel. This guy crushes. And I bet that's the career that like, everybody in here wants, right? Here's the crazy thing. Daniel did all of that as an extremely righteous man. In fact, that's how like, he's identified over and over again in Scripture, is that Daniel is an extremely righteous person. So if you think about the crucialness of obedience, of attempting to follow God in every single way, kind of like what Adam was talking last week about putting on the whole armor of God, Daniel fits that description. And small side for all of us, like when it comes to putting on the armor of God, when it comes to pursuing obedience and righteousness in our lives and in our careers and in our families, don't cave to pressure. Just don't do it. Like that is a lesson we should learn from Daniel. Because you might see people getting ahead and getting promoted and, I don't know, getting honor and success in maybe like sleazy or ungodly ways. And I know that in your future, you're going to be tempted to make compromises and to compromise what God would have for you. And maybe that's true even now. You see that in, I don't know, copying somebody's work or plagiarizing or put, putting somebody else down so that you look better. Don't do it. What we learn from Daniel, maybe we'll even preach this later, is that it's the righteous that succeed. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Daniel. Because in fact... Daniel was so dependent on God and so righteous in his life that when his enemies wanted to destroy him, they couldn't find any corruption, they couldn't find any skeletons in his closet, they couldn't find any weird like Facebook posts or Instagram posts from a decade ago. The only thing they could do to defeat him was to literally make praying to God illegal. And that's what they had to do, and it still didn't work. So if you want to read about someone worth imitating and someone to learn some life lessons and what it means to put on the armor of God, read the book of Daniel. So where we're at today is Daniel 10, and it's an inside look at how prayer changes the spiritual battle around us, and that when we pray, God sees us, God hears us, and God responds to us. So with that, Daniel 10. Let me catch you up to where we are, all right? Daniel 10, chapter 1, Daniel receives this vision from God. And it's this vision of like this war that's coming, this battle is coming, and it totally freaks him out. So he spends three weeks praying and fasting and asking that God is going to give him some insight and some greater understanding into what's coming. So three weeks of praying and fasting, and then all of a sudden, in verse 4, this angel shows up, and it terrifies Daniel. He had no idea an angel was coming. And that's where we pick up this conversation between an angel and Daniel in verse 11. And it says this, And the angel said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, 
For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Okay, there's a lot that I missed there the first and the second and the third time I read that. So let's just break this down one piece at a time. First, let's spotlight the war here. We've got this angel who's attempting to come to Daniel and to answer his prayers, and he's stopped for 21 days by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demon. And it's 21 days of this angel striving against this demon where Michael, an archangel, as he's described, like a higher angel in scripture, comes and helps this angel defeat the prince of Persia and to come to Daniel. Now that is a lot that maybe we don't talk about very often. In fact, this is the clearest example in scripture of what some denominations or some people might call a territorial spirit. A demon assigned to a territory, or in this case, a kingdom, Persia. And if you read a few verses later, there's another kingdom of Greece and a territorial spirit over that. And then we have Michael here, this archangel, who's described as like the protector of the nation of Israel. Like an angel assigned to protect the people of God. So I want you to think about this. What's this territorial spirit, this prince of the kingdom of Persia's job? It's probably everything that we've been talking about already, right? We've talked about in Ephesians 6.12 that your primary enemy are malicious, evil spirits that are attempting to blind people to the spiritual reality around them and blind them to the gospel that sets them free. That blind them to this message that God sent his son to die for you, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And so what is it that Satan and his demons do? They blind the minds of unbelievers and they hinder gospel evangelism and missionary work and they snatch up the seeds of the gospel when people talk about it. And Satan throws ministers in prisons and over and over and over again, he's trying to hinder and corrupt the work of Christians to spread the gospel. So if that's Satan's work, then that's probably this demon's work as well. And in fact, this is one of the questions that a few of you submitted for the Q&A. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about territorial spirits Later on, but for now, we got this territorial demon fighting against an angel seeking to come to Daniel and this archangel, Michael. Now, here's the next thing this angel was sent to Daniel because Daniel prayed. We see this a couple of times, and the angel said, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understands the word that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. God sent this angel because, verse 12, your words have been heard, your prayers have been heard, and I have come because of your prayers. Don't miss this, okay? First, this angel was sent. God saw Daniel and sent an angel because he heard Daniel's prayers. God sees, God hears, and God responds. So here's the first question, maybe the whole night. Um, do you think about your prayers this way? Do you think when I pray, God sees me and God hears my prayers and God responds immediately? And he does. 
Let me show you that. He responds immediately, immediately, excuse me. He said, it's the kingdom. Understands that a word speak. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Immediately when Daniel prayed, God heard him and God responded. And we got to know that these prayers in this battle are interconnected. They're interwoven. So notice like how long did this angel fight against the prince of the kingdom of Persia? 21 days. And how long did Daniel fast and pray? 21 days. Chapter 2, verse 3, Daniel says, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. It took 21 days of Daniel praying and fasting before this angel and Michael broke through and the angel came to Daniel. Do you think that your prayers and your actions and your humility towards God massively impacts the spiritual battle that is going around all around you? Do you believe that your prayers legitimately influence the work that God is doing and that spiritual battles are won because you pray? And here's the flip side of that question. Do you believe that when you don't pray, spiritual battles are lost? Do you believe that when you don't pray, God doesn't respond? Let me show you this. James 4, 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. There are things that God would legitimately give you and do for you that he doesn't because you don't ask, because you don't pray. Let me give you some examples of this, all right? Uh, about 20 of us, two or three weeks ago, went to Bozeman to the church plant there. And Ashley, one of the pastors, is really involved and really passionate about international missions. And he told us this story about a missionary in Japan in 1945, 1946. And this missionary wrote letters to all these churches and all these mission organizations all over Western Europe and all over America. And he said, please send missionaries. The people here are broken and hopeless and desperate for hope. And we need missionaries to come. And you know how many missionaries went? Zero. Nobody prayed, nobody responded, and nobody went. Because Christians didn't pray, because they didn't ask, and they didn't go, a battle was lost, and a country was lost. We can see that now. Japan is one of the darkest places with Shinto and Buddhism and virtually no Christianity anywhere in the world. And we can talk about how God's sovereign, and we can talk about how God has already won the war. Yes, also, we can also say Christians didn't respond, didn't pray, and we lost that battle. There are things God doesn't do because we don't pray. And there are miraculous things he does because we pray. We see that. An angel broke through and answered Daniel's prayers because Daniel prayed. And do you believe that that's true, not just of Daniel, but that's true of you and your prayers as well? So let me switch gears a little bit. Let me tell you what this story about Daniel has to say about your life and your prayers and your role in this war. So first step, when we gear up and we go to war against Satan and his demons, first step is remember who you are. You are loved by God. 
Two times in Daniel, back to back, this angel starts that way. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. And a little bit later, verse 19, he says, And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. He doesn't say, O man greatly forgotten or greatly put up with or greatly indifferent about, greatly loved. And this isn't just Daniel that God loves. God loves you as well, right? Some of the simplest verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved you and you and you. And he loved all of us enough to send his son to die for us so that we have faith that Jesus died for our sins. We can have eternal life with him. What about this one? We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Daniel is struggling in this story, all right? He is spiritually, mentally, emotionally in anguish about this vision that he saw. He just spent 21 days not eating, so his body probably hurts, and he's in a lot of physical pain. And you know what? He's not alone. He's seen by God, and he's loved by God, and God immediately responds to his prayers, so step one, when we go to war, remember who you are. You are loved by God. And step number two is this. Don't be consumed with thoughts about Satan and demons. And don't be fearful and terrified as if they are stronger than Jesus. Look at this story. Daniel isn't consumed with thoughts about angels and demons. He's not terrified, and he's not even aware of this territorial spirit. He's not trembling because of demons. He was simply praying and asking God for understanding and for God to speak to him. So he was totally shocked when this angel showed up in the room. He didn't know anything about this spiritual war between angels and demons. It was simply Daniel's common everyday prayers that massively impacted the spiritual war. And we know that because it took Daniel three weeks of praying and fasting before there was this breakthrough on the spiritual warfare side of this. Now, there's a time to pray against demons, and there's a time to pray for angelic protection. And I talked about that the first week, right? Like, the season that I came to faith, in large part because every night I didn't pray, I had nightmares. And when I prayed that God would send angels to protect me, no more nightmares, Praying against demons, praying for angels, that's something we do. However, we don't need to be consumed with thoughts and prayers about angels and demons. We pray and we wrestle with the things that God has told us to pray and wrestle with. And we simply know that our prayers impact and change this war. So you want to know what those things are? You want to know how to pray? We just read it, Ephesians 6. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and with all humility. And to that end, keep alert and persevere in your prayers and pray for the saints and the Christians around the world. Pray for preachers. Pray for gospel evangelism. Pray that we speak the gospel boldly 
as we ought to speak it in truth. Pray and fight for these things. And that's our last point. Remember who you are. Don't be obsessed with angels and demons and fight. Don't be lethargic and lazy as if your enemy is weak or non-existent. All of us as Christians, we have a massive responsibility in this war. You understand that, right? Don't be lazy. Don't let opportunities that God clearly has put in front of you go to waste. Because that happens, right? Opportunities are something that we have a moment to respond to. They don't last forever. Like if any of you like ever asked anybody, not asked anybody out, have any of you thought about asking somebody out and then you waited too long and it got weird? Opportunity, missed. Yeah, I see some hands. You got, all right, small side, you got 48 hours to ask somebody out after you have like a romantic moment with them, all right? Otherwise, it gets too weird and everybody overthinks it, and I learned that from Scrubs. It's a great show. Anyway, <laughs> opportunities don't last forever. There was an opportunity for 100 missionaries to go to Japan, and they didn't. That was a battle lost. Let me tell you about another one, a battle won. About a month ago, Julie and I came in late for church, and I saw a guy sitting alone, a senior at CSU sitting alone. And it was one of those moments where Spirit was like, just go talk to that guy and get his number. So I got his number, we got lunch, and this week, a month later, he just gave his life to Christ on Tuesday. Don't let opportunities pass you by, because they don't last forever. We have a place in this war, and it's to fight. It's to not be lazy, to not be apathetic, but to be about the things that God wants us to be about. Identify and seize opportunities. And that means following Ephesians 6, this whole armor of God. It means being filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word of God, like Adam said last week, and holding on to these promises of God, like this angel telling Daniel, you are loved, do not fear, be courageous and bold. It means knowing and understanding more and more about God, and knowing and understanding more and more about God would have for you to do in your life, and praying and taking action on those things. So that means not just playing defensive ball, and it doesn't mean just lazily doing nothing, but going on the offensive and taking action. It means praying and taking action against stubborn sin in your life, and praying and taking actions against cruelty and injustice in the world, and fighting against sexual harassment and sexual assault on campus, and fighting against domestic abuse and poverty, and fighting for families in Fort Collins. And it means praying for and fighting for evangelism, for the gospel to go out. And it's praying and fighting for the thousands of freshmen that are sitting on campus right now, not knowing that there's a God who loves them and a church that wants to share the gospel with them. Are you serious about those things? Are you praying and are you taking action? So this is our last night in our spiritual warfare series, and I've been praying and trying to think through how to summarize everything we've talked about. And here it is, all right? There is a war around you, and you are meant to fight in it. And fighting doesn't mean a lot, knowing a lot about angels and demons. It's about knowing a lot about God. And God hasn't opened our eyes to the whole reality of angels and demons in the war around it. And you know why? It's because we're not supposed to be obsessed with angels and demons. We're supposed to be obsessed about God. 
You're made to know God. You're made to love and worship him and to be about the things that he has told you to be about. You're meant to be on the offensive. You're meant to leverage your life for Jesus and the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. You are meant to put on the full armor of God and to go to war for that mission. And you're meant to pray, to pray at all times in the Spirit, to pray with supplication and perseverance, to pray for the saints and to pray for the nations, to pray for your campus and the people around you. And here's what happens when you do that. The first thing, your life and your prayer change things. God uses you just like he used Daniel to change Babylon and to change the laws of Babylon and the officials and the kings and the people around him. God uses you the same way. And then the second thing that happened is that God changes you. So this was my first ACL tear, my first of three knee surgeries. And you know what this taught me? A lot of humility because I sat on that couch for weeks not being able to do anything for myself. If I wanted a meal, I needed to call somebody and they needed to bring it to me. And if I needed to drive to a PT appointment, somebody else drove me. And I was constantly calling people and asking them to help me because I couldn't do anything for myself. And we don't do anything for ourselves without God without God answering our prayers and empowering us to work for him. He doesn't need us, and he doesn't need our prayers. Praying does something to us. It humbles us, and it changes us, and it makes us realize over and over and over again that we are entirely dependent on God for everything he provides, just like I was entirely dependent on this family to care for me when I had a knee surgery. And if you're thinking, well, if I'm so helpless and if that's how prayer works and that's how God works, then is this all about God? Yes, this is all about God. It's God who created us and it's God who sent his son to die for us. And it's Jesus, the son of God, who won this war and put his enemies to open shame when he resurrected and rose from the dead. And it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us and empowers us to pray and empowers us to fight this war. And it's God who wins every battle and deserves all the glory and all the worship and all the fame and all the attention. And sometimes he uses you to win these battles. We're just foot soldiers. We're just pawns in the game. But if you ask any chess master, they're going to say that pawns are really, really important because you can't win wars and you can't win games without pawns. God uses you to win wars. Everywhere in scripture, you see God through his spirit empowering people to do his will on earth. Every single story, it's God using people just like you and just like me that are prayerfully dependent on him to win battles and to win wars. So don't forget that. Don't get lazy. Don't get obsessively scared or fearful of Satan and demons. They're already conquered. Get obsessive about God. Persevere about the things that he has for you to do. And when it gets tough and when it feels like God isn't moving and isn't working in your life, when you don't want to pray and you don't want to be obedient, remember this. 
The reality and the pattern that we see in Scripture is that every major breakthrough of God only happens after horribly difficult seasons. Think about every famous story in the Bible. Think about Moses and God parting the Red Seas. It was so bad before God parted the Red Seas that the people said, like, Moses, did you bring us out in the desert to legitimately murder us? We'd rather go back to slavery in Egypt than where you have brought us. And it was only then that God parted the Red Seas and saved his people. And Elijah was so discouraged, even after God's display of power at Mount Carmel, that he ran into the desert and asked God to kill him. And it was only after that that God brought comfort and empowerment and mission back into Elijah's life. We can talk about Daniel. Before the king recognized the truthfulness of who Daniel's God was, uh, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because prayer was made illegal. And before that, his three friends were thrown into a fiery furnace before God redeemed them. And you can think about Paul's story in 2 Corinthians where he just lists like how many shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and like getting kicked out of towns have been in his life before the gospel and before churches were planted in these towns. And think about Jesus before his resurrection, torture, crucifixion, abandonment by everybody you will be met with high opposition from the enemy every time you make bold moves for the sake of the gospel. And the answer isn't to turtle up and run back into a safe place. And the answer isn't to give up or get lazy and apathetic. And it isn't to frantically try and figure out more things about Satan and about demons. It's not to try and figure out more than what the Bible has already revealed to you. Go down that path and all you're going to find are maybe half-truths or outright lies. There's some intricacy in spiritual warfare, and we're going to talk about that at the Q&A. But that's not the point here. The point is to get busy with the things that God has already told you to do. Leverage your life, your gifts, your prayers, your actions towards the mission that God has for you. Know the word and speak it and persevere in prayerfulness and perseverance in all things. Respond to what God has told you to do because God has already won the war. So keep praying and don't lose heart. And don't lose heart because God has already overcome the world. We put this verse up at the very beginning of this sermon series. And this is what I want you to walk away with. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So if you're praying for a breakthrough, if you're praying for understanding, for victory over sin, for the salvation of your friends and your family and your campus, and all you're met with is seemingly frustration and stagnation, don't give up. Remember Daniel and persevere. God sees you you're greatly loved. God hears you. Your prayers have been heard. And God responds. He sends angels and he works on your behalf. Your prayers and your actions change things. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be so prayerfully and humbly and lowly dependent upon you. And I am just so, so confident that you hear us and you see us and that you respond to our prayers. So Father, would we be a people that is just supplicating? What a weird word. So humble and so earnest for you to move and work in our lives. 
Would we be people that trust you? And God, would you use us? Would we not be fearfully obsessive or terrified over the powers of darkness in this world, but would we hold fast in boldness and courage that you who are in us is greater than he who is in the world? And God, would we be a people that just stand brightly, stand differently, stand with the whole armor of God? And would you give us the courage and the perseverance and the discipline to be prayerful and active and about the things that you would have us be about? And Lord, would you just bless our efforts, bless our work in this, in this city, on our campus, on this student leader appreciation dinner we're doing. Would you give us boldness and confidence to speak the gospel to our families and our friends back home this week? Would you keep us safe and protect us? And would you keep us prayerfully, always prayerfully dependent on you? We trust you with that, Jesus. We love you. All this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.